This is episode 19 of the transport. Let's open the ship. The transport by Alex Ames. You are listening to The Transport, a sci-fi military action thriller audiobook podcast, written and performed by Alex Ames. The music throughout the podcast is the song The Last True Boss by Kumiku, available on the freemusicarchive.org. Chapter 64 Leo Leo, Eva and Morales waited in the deep night shadow of some trees, the utility building directly opposite of them. Twenty-five yards, everything lit by four sodium lamps on high poles and fastened at the buildings. Mac and Cena had donated their bulletproof vests to Eva and Leo, The tiny cyborg almost sunk inside the oversized protector while they had trouble attaching the straps properly to Leo's bulk. Are your shoes tied up? Eva asked. I don't want you to slip out of them while running. Mom, Leo said, but retied his laces, puffing as the vest made bending over difficult. He was nervous as hell. This military stuff looked great in a movie or a console game, but the real deal did not look that peachy if real bullets were involved. He had full trust in Eva's abilities after their dance with the dealers, and Morales only looked like the compact Hispanic housewife on the outside. Her eyes had told Leo repeatedly not to mess it up. Eva checked his shoes once more, and Leo did a little fake tap dance. You guys should be on TV, Morales rolled her eyes and cracked her neck. We are 15 past the hour. The game is on. Be ready for the signal. Chapter 65 Whitaker. The team prepared their distraction surgically and deadly. Whitaker, a 22-year-old sergeant from Tennessee, had a knack for shooting. Any weapon, any position, any condition. He settled himself flat on the roof of the FOB building and was designated initiator for the rest of the team. Whitaker had his right eye on his assault rifle scope trained on the upper rim of the Legion's analytics roof. He had Charles to support him as a spotter. In case one of the roof guards became too ambitious with return fire or had something stronger in their arsenal, like a grenade thrower or rocket launcher. The other two Grim Berets were distributed on the edge of the campus perimeter, each concentrating on their own side for additional fire. But Whitaker was the guy to start it. He took even, shallow breath to keep his body and arms steady. The roof balustrade of the building opposite lay like a horizon smack in the middle of his scope. 
He had adjusted its offset to exactly 220 yards, the laser measures read out. Light breeze, no rain, well-lighted field of vision, thanks to enhancement features of his scope. The Legion roof opposite had no lights on top and appeared pitch dark to the human eyes in contrast with the brightly lighted parking lot. His weapon was not a sniper's weapon, but at this short distance the bullet traveled exactly where Whittaker pointed it. Charles had checked his watch and gave the quiet go remark a minute ago, and it now was Whittaker's first shot that would start the diversion attack and alert the enemy of their presence and intentions. The plan was simple and had worked many times before. Curiosity kills the cat. Whittaker had done similar incursions in the past, never against aliens, of course, but into much more heavily guarded compounds of drug lords, terrorists and dictators. The trick was to let the event happen and not to force it. He couldn't take the initiative as there was no enemy visible, The opponent team on the roof hid well between sandbags and the balustrade. But the guards on the opposite roof had to check the surroundings once in a while, otherwise they couldn't guard properly. Once in a while. Patience was Whittaker's middle name. Once in a... Now! The shadow of a head appeared on the dark roof. Someone was curious enough to check the nearby vicinity which in general was a sensible idea if you stuck to a simple rule. Don't show your head at the same spot twice. Whittaker had seen the head appear ten minutes ago, so he had kept his bearing all the time and was ready for the next sighting, counting on the guard's laziness to stay in position and show up again at the exact same location once more. And so it happened. Whittaker's hand made a minimal adjustment to his aim, And half a second after the top of the head appeared again, Whittaker's trigger finger crossed the firing threshold. His rifle buckled once, the supersonic bullet traveled the 200 yards in half a second. Before it had arrived, Whittaker already had re-aimed, waiting for a mistake of his opponents. The poor bastard on the roof never knew what hit him. The bullet entered through the forehead, deformed at impact, scrambled most of the brain and exited through the rear, taking half the skull with it. The rifle in the dead man's hand started to unload a volley, triggered by random muscle twitches, throwing the weapon clear of its dead as owner's grips, spraying bullets into the night. The first shot cracked through the night, the signal for the team to engage. Everyone had made out the approximate location of its designated guards and put them under fire at the same time. Someone emptied a whole magazine on the roof, but otherwise no heavy fire. The army let go of some shots to confuse the other side and give Morales and the others their moment to move. Chapter 66 Leo Leo and his two deadly ladies took the planned route. A quick traverse over the rear parking lot behind the utility building. No shot was fired at them, the distraction a full success. The back door's electronic lock did not work with Leo's security badge, but a muffled shot through an empty plastic bottle 
masked by the ongoing cover of the firefight, destroyed the lock and opened the door for them. The utility building was dark, no one inside. It was a large, single-room space, stored with various stuff used by the facility management, like paper press, parking lot sweeper and a repair shop. They quickly crossed the building and Morales checked the roof angle from a window. This is perfect. No one is going to fire at us from the roof. If we are lucky, they'll miss our insertion completely. I'll do a dash. Eva covers me. Morales opened the window and climbed outside silently, like a large cat on the prowl, and crossed the narrow alley towards a window in the main building's rear wall. No one shot at her and she signed the clear signal to Eva. Eva helped Leo out of the window and then followed on his heels to help him through the ground floor window of the Legion headquarter building too. Leo thought that, odd and all, he performed well enough, although, in all self-criticism, a potato sack analogy was not far from the truth. The covering fire died down the moment they were inside. A perfect insertion. The ground floor was silent. Leo briefly repeated the layout. The basement is one long corridor, not straight, but like the letter H, two corridors leading towards the middle. The middle H-bar is where the elevators and the central staircase lead up. It's not a straight line, but more zigzag, Morales made a face. That means good cover for whoever's defending it. Be optimistic, Lou, Leo said. Good cover for anyone approaching, too. You have many doors leaving from each corridor, all giving good cover too, Eva pointed out. The elevator shafts are in the center of the building? Yeah, four of them. And there's one freight elevator on the northern end, a huge cage from the times when this was still used as a factory. All right, the plan stands. First we disrupt the loading by sabotaging the elevators, Morales explained. Yeah, let them carry their shit upstairs, Leo said, gung-ho. Then we take the roof. Four on top, against us two, plus the moment of surprise should work. Two? You have me, Leo started, but a glance from Eva shut him up. Too bad, we don't have explosives with us. That would truly be disruptive, to level the whole building with most clones still inside, Eva said. Yeah, we don't have what we don't have. Morales mused. The elevators first. Let's work on the second or third floor. The ground floor and basement will be busy with clones, Leo said. The three made their way towards the staircase that was as far as possible from the atrium. No guards were likely to roam that side of the building. It was simply too big. Without making a sound, they stepped up the stairs to the third floor. The floor held one of the two lab sections of Legion Analytics. Glass partitions left and right let them view the insides of the various scientific rooms. Leo peeked around the corner to where the labs met the elevator lobby. No guards either. He raised his thumb at his comrades in arms. The clones were stretched thin, and that was their weakest point. Checked back and only found Morales behind him. Eva stood ten yards back, staring through the glass partition into one of the labs. Leo joined her and looked over her shoulder. What's up, honey? Lab. Correctly identified, Leo nodded. I am so stupid. Never crossed my mind, but a healthy dose of humil... Labs. With chemicals. Chemicals? 
Leo stared at the large lab cabins filled with whatnot. Yeah, exactly, Eva said with a broad smile and gave him a nudge that made Leo wince. Hi, Alex Ames here. Sorry for the little interruption. This story will continue momentarily. If you like a good thriller, check out my 2020 novel, COVID Trouble. COVID Trouble is a novel in my ongoing troubleshooter series, featuring the corporate troubleshooter Paul Trouble. COVID Trouble takes place in Paris, France after the first lockdown of 2020, just when life seems to normalize again during the worldwide life-threatening pandemic. And France is getting ready for some well-earned summer vacations. Someone is poisoning supermarkets with the virus. Is it a lunatic? Is it a terrorist act? Paul Trouble will find out. A lot of bullets will fly. There are car chases, gunfights, rooms full of dead people, deadly fire traps and many, many, many ways to die. COVID Trouble is available as ebook at most online retailers and as paperback at Amazon and some other retailers. Check it out, it's a ride. It's inspired by the current events of that crazy, crazy year 2020. COVID Trouble is the name, Alex Ames, the author. That being said, buy the book. And now let's jump back into the transport. Chapter 67 Herbert The festive mood quickly turned business-like again, and then it developed into temporary outright panic as various shots suddenly were fired at them from various angles. The guards were alert and also the roof guys started shooting, but the source of the gunfire couldn't be established properly. Herbert and Smitty took cover during the brief firefight and waited it out. Disgruntled neighbors? Smitty asked. Yeah, could be, or the rest of the army team making trouble. According to Kimmick, only logistics people survived. But there was this mystery lady gunslinger that Kimmick mentioned, who killed most of our gas station team. Maybe it's her too? Another thing to worry about. The shooting was over quickly, and the steady hum of the MMTU generators dominated the night again. Eventually, the converts commenced loading. In order to bring the ship into an operable condition, it needed clones to be connected to the ship. No one was to be left behind and therefore all life parts had to be moved into the ship. A single part did not weigh a lot, about 50 pounds, but the challenge lay in the inability of the parts to support the inhabitants for a longer period without being connected to the life-enabling functions. Five minutes off support were no problem. The fluid in the pot was saturated enough with gas, enzymes and nutrition for this short period. Ten minutes off support were already noticed by the sclone inside. Reduced gas exchange, increased stress levels due to the imbalanced hormones. Sclones were the most intelligent species of the universe, able to conquer and enslave whole star systems, but they were sensitive comfort creatures. 
15 minutes of support would result in panic attacks that might have lasting effects and most likely it would lose consciousness. Death would come in the next two to three minutes, a cruel demise. It would be as if a human was being left to starve, die of thirst and of cold and suffocation all at once while locked in a dark, soundless room. Every convert understood the stakes. They hadn't had much time to train the operation, but everyone was motivated to do their best. In any standard operation, the first batch to board were planned to be the Essentials, a group of engineers and subcommanders who had the task of rebooting the ship to a known state and run diagnostics, led by the first officer. Unfortunately, at the insistence of the Supreme Commander, the first batches were to be the Elders. Those fucking elders, Herbert thought. He stood over the sink in the lobby washroom and washed off blood and splatter from his face and hands after he had seen personally to the supreme commander's reconversion from Carling's body. A gruesome affair, but necessary, as the reconversion robot would only work after a number of clones were connected fully with the ship. A classic chicken and egg problem, Herbert looked like a butcher after a full day's work and cleaned himself up as best as he could. Wisely, he had brought some change of clothing from his office, which he put on. The blood spatter was gone, but Herbert swore his human nose still could smell the blood. The elder transport. A single life pot could be carried by a male human, all right, but the danger of tripping or falling was much too high. Herbert had prepared a lab pushcart with 12 fitting circular holes cut into the upper table and styrofoam fittings below to keep everything in position. That allowed two human converts to transport safely 12 cloned life parts at once. The fully loaded vehicle weighed almost 650 pounds, a heavy-duty labor job. The elder transport problem was simple. 12 transport slots for 20 elders. 8 slots missing. 12 elders would go first, 8 elders seconds. Simple math, advanced politics and social etiquette. While Herbert, Smitty Carling and the others had fought for their lives, had faced incredible odds and dangers, the elders had discussed for the last 18 hours who received the honor of connecting to the ship first after all these years. According to age, knowledge, Battle honors, family cast history, hardships in life overall. Herbert walked into the basement lab. Converts Jay and Jamie were done with the tray card and already loosened up some of the elders' pot connections to ensure a quick transfer. Herbert logged into the communication console. Honorable elders, do you have a consensus of the first 12 embarkees? he typed. The translation took the usual few seconds, then the answer came back on the display. Yes, we do. Herbert sighed. Perhaps his human prayers had been heard by some higher being. The reply continued. After a long and deliberate discussion, sometimes run heated and passionate, but fair style, with a clear moral compass applied, we came to the conclusion that it is not honorable to split the embarkment in such cruel and... Herbert screamed. Those fuckers. He hammered his fist against the console in impatient frustration. He knew what was coming. Random fashion. There were four 
we decided that all 20 elders are to be brought onto the ship in one single transport. This aligns with... Herbert did not continue to read. Smitty had been looking over Herbert's shoulder for the last piece of exchange. Ooh, that is unfortunate. But we are prepared for this eventuality. Yeah, you spineless creep. You can't be on my side for once to make this a success, can't you? Herbert stared at Smitty with his best human piercing look. Unfortunate? You call this unfortunate? He let go of a mad laugh and felt himself come apart. This was not him, but at the same time, it was. He had read about nervous breakdowns in humans and people running amok. But his clone mind could not comprehend what his host's physique and hormones were doing to him. It was like a brain melt. He shrieked, you are all crazy, we will never leave this planet, we need to start the embarkment now and not spend hours preparing a second lab table for a transport that is able to hold 20 pods at once. Smitty stepped back, he saw the determination in Herbert's eyes but did not understand Herbert's meltdown. In the name of the absent supreme commander and the collective elders, I order you to provide an equal opportunity embarkment method. We gave you years to prepare for this moment and... Herbert pulled out his gun and pointed it at Smitty. I've had enough. I've been shot at, was almost killed. We've lost several good comrades. I will not let the elders endanger the rest of us over non-productive rank squabble. Smitty lifted his hands. Purely because his human mind pushed this extremely important suggestion through the nervous system. The other converts in the lab followed suit. Herbert knew. Everyone calculated the chances to kill him and rescue Smitty's clone from a dying host body in time. Jay's eyes even roamed through the lab to identify an empty life pod. Herbert said over his shoulder, Jay and Jamie, start the transfer. Take the first 12 elders, any elders, pick them randomly, otherwise we'll all be stuck here for the next 70 years. Jamie and Jay did not move. The lab equipment hummed. The only sound. Herbert notched his gun at Smitty's forehead. You and I, we both want to see our home again. One of us will not if we don't start embarkment now, he said quietly. And then Herbert moved the gun from the head towards Smitty's intestines area. Gut shot, killing both Smitty and Sklone directly. Smitty waved a no-no at the others. He and Herbert stared eye to eye for a moment. Then Smitty nodded. You, you are right. We start loading as you, you suggested. You will face the consequences later. He turned to the others. Do as Herbert says. Take the first twelve elders from the shelves. Hurry up. Herbert kept his pistol on Smitty until Jamie and Jay were done with the loading of the cart and gone from the lab with the first 12 elder parts. Chapter 68 Leo Morales approached Eva and Leo. Destroy the elevators, then take the roof? She reminded them of the original plan. Eva looked at her. Change of plans. Leo and I will stay here for now. 
And I thought I was in command? Morales asked. Eva might have found a way to produce us potent explosives, Leo explained. Morales's eyes shifted at the shelves in the lab opposite of her. Handy. I felt it might find your approval, Eva agreed. Define potent, Leo asked his girlfriend. Nothing you have seen on your planet before, replied Eva and then quickly added when she saw her companion's alarmed faces. Don't worry, nothing like a nuclear device, but destructive, very destructive, even in smaller quantities. Spaceship destructive? The cyborg wagged her head. Not with your level of physics and chemical energy limitations on your planet. Your nitrogen-based atmosphere is too sluggish. That does not sound promising. The ship's exterior shell is one thing, but the interior is a different matter. I am aiming for that. A large amount of the explosive in a closed space will produce extreme results. Nothing carbon-based will survive, whether it's living or material. You will need to bring the explosives on board. We'll work on a plan. Aren't you optimistic? Will we be ready in time? That's the risk. I might waste valuable fighting time. My fighting time. Feel free to engage and distract with your team and follow your original plan. What team? Morales looked demonstratively behind her back. Let me guess. You already made up your mind? Yes. Leo shrugged from the sideline. What honey wants, honey gets. Hold on tight for another minute, Morales argued. I want to check the roof access and complete the elevator blocking. We'll get started. Yeah, what about some interstellar cooperation, lady? Morales asked, annoyed. Eva's eyes already roamed the shelves. Don't open the roof door. You kill me, lady, Morales groaned. You might have fought on Jupiter and Mars, but I served in Afghanistan. I know that it's dangerous to open doors. I apologize if I hit a nerve, Lieutenant, Eva said. You have to love her, right? Leo smiled. You will hear the result of a first test within the next two hours, Eva said. After that, give us exactly 30 minutes to complete our preparations. Then we need some distraction. Any hint what kind of distraction it should be? Morales asked. Something spectacular that keeps the clone's eyes away from the life pods. You told us the aliens don't have eyes, Leo was confused. Allegorically speaking, all the best, Lieutenant, Eva said. Leo shrugged at Morales. Dismissed? Isn't that what your guys always say? Morales shook her head and made her way towards the elevator bank. Eva did one step backwards and kicked open the first lab door. This is it for this week's edition of The Transport, the sci-fi action thriller written and performed by Alex Ames. If you liked what you just heard, leave a comment in whatever platform you downloaded or listened to the podcast. If there are stars, star me, help me spread the good. And again, my shameless self-promoting plug, if you liked it so far, and can't bear the suspense, buy the book. If you can bear the suspense, buy the book. And that's it, for real. Wherever you are, whoever you are, 
Thank you. Take care. I hear you next time. This is Alex Ames. This was The Transport. Over and out.
this is it for this week's edition of The Transport, the sci-fi action thriller written and performed by Alex Ames. If you liked what you just heard, leave a comment in whatever platform you downloaded or listened to the podcast. If there are stars, star me, help me spread the good. And again, my shameless self-promoting plug, if you liked it so far and can't bear the suspense, buy the book. If you can bear the suspense, buy the book. And another shameless self-promotion, if you liked what you heard and think that many of your potential customers might be listening to this podcast too, feel free to contact me at alex.aims.writing at gmail.com or send me a private message on Twitter or Instagram at alexaimswriting, one word. The middle section of this podcast could be reserved for you. And that's it, for real. Wherever you are, whoever you are, thank you, take care, I hear you next time. This is Alex Ames, this was The Transport, over and out.